more exhausting trying to consume it all after the fact or being there. This is incredible. Are you guys pumped up and ready to go? Get you pumped up here. No, are you really <laughs> pumped up and ready to go? Woo! Yeah! <laughs> That's a good one. I forgot about I don't think I've played that in years. It's a conference, not a rock He doesn't concert. get that enthusiastic anymore. He doesn't. Actually, you know, I noticed that about this year is that everything was a little more low-key. It was, well, I, no, I'm not going to say everything. His, his speech and kind of the Parker keynote, you know, where they kind of do that tandem thing where, you know, they usually do some goofy thing and play off each other. This It was kind of much more serious tone. Super serious. Super serious. Have, they have saved they... all the craziness for that um, weird trailhead keynote. I guess it was the first one ever. What was the trailhead keynote? There was a trailhead, trailhead keynote? keynote. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that. So I've still, I mean, other than what, what was the one last week we watched? What do they call that? Just the, the Benioff keynote, the main yeah. one. The and then this keynote. morning I watched the developer keynote. Which was boring. Well, yeah. Um, I bet half the people fell asleep in that, in that audience. But they were on their phones. So I feel like this started a couple of years ago, maybe last year. But has, has, has Salesforce successfully turned the corner in terms of expectations of Dreamforce? They basically have they've conditioned us to not expect a lot of new stuff at Dreamforce. And when I say us, I mean attendees, partners, consultants, the investor community. Well, you know, I was thinking analysts. about that. And I, had, I was going to bring something up similar because I think the timing is key. Um, I think the most impactful dream forces are the ones that coincide with the winter release so that it, it either happens right before it or right after it. Um, and typically I, I would think that it would be better to have dream force before the winter release, because then you feel like you're getting all these announcements, you're getting all these inside knowledge and it's coming. It's, it's right around the corner that weekend it's going to get installed. And, and you feel like as of now, like winter came out. And we've kind of seen the stuff. We've kind of looked at it. We've prepared for it. And so now they're talking about it. And it's like, well, that's all the stuff we already knew is there. And we already know it's there. And it's nothing new. And so our my expectation is when I'm listening to this is going, yeah, I know about that. Yeah. yeah. I, I started, yeah, I know about that. I, it, it, I don't feel like, like I'm getting anything out of it. Well, and I want to be fair. I don't think it's the people that don't get anything out of Dreamforce. It's just that we've, we now know not to expect big new product announcements as Dreamforce. Dreamforce, that's, it used to be part of Dreamforce. Now it's not. And there's, you know, there's lots of other aspects of Dreamforce. There's still a lot of learning that you can do and networking. And, and there's all kinds of things that have been announced that you haven't even had time to even look at yet. So this is yeah. an opportunity to, to do that as well. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, th- it's just like not it, the big announcement event anymore. Yeah, I think it kind of robs you of the kind of, hearing about something for the first time and getting excited about it in some ways. You want that, that hit that I'm just saying is that, if, is that if, a dopamine if, if you hit? Go what is the, it? If you go there for that, for that rush, if you go there for the, uh, Dreamforce excitement. Yeah. I don't know. I still think, I still think people leave Dreamforce on a high, on an artificial high. <laughs> I don't know. I think more and more people are leaving, leaving exhausted. Not, not so much with a high anymore, but they're just exhausted. Well, so you said you watched the developer keynote, right? I did. I did have to skip around and skip back, you know, trying to gauge it. But I was really kind of bored throughout throughout it. All right, I watched it too. Um, I made some notes, and I've got that on my list, but I don't want to. I don't want to get into that yet. Um, yeah, I have a few things I wanted to get into as well. Okay, that, why don't you start off then? Uh, well, do we want to talk about Dreamforce or what do we want to talk? Whatever, about? Whatever, man. I'm open for anything. I mean, I've got some some non Dreamforce stuff, but then yeah, I've got some. Uh, let's let's do some non Dreamforce stuff, and we'll end on the Dreamforce stuff. How about okay, that? sounds good. Um, you want me to start? Yeah. 
I'll start with what I was working on recently. I am, um, for the first time in a very long time. But you're volunteering to go into what is John working on a segment here? I am. Wow. I usually have to I force first, you into well, that. Well, normally you ask and you give me an opportunity, but now I'm just having to I just, shoehorn I'm, my... I'm tired of asking and you saying, not telling me anything. So I, I guess I'll start asking again. <laughs> All right. So, John, what are you working on this week? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a... <laughs> No, I was helping a, a colleague out with some, um, I don't know what to call it. Is it, it's not wave. I know that it's, it's Einstein for, analytics. It's, yeah. But is it, is it Einstein analytics or is it my Einstein analytics? No. See, see? I, I've got some thoughts on that too, by the way, but I'll hold that for later. Um, I found something interesting out and I'm not sure if this is normal or if I did something wrong, but we were trying to figure out why when we tried to create a dashboard out of one of our data sets, um, we were losing data. And my assumption was because we were doing these these hops to on this account hierarchy. So we had, let, let, let's sake of argument, we have cases. Those are attached to an account, mm-hmm. and there's a hierarchy for the account. There's like this um, like distributor, accounts? yeah, it was like okay. distributor organization, and then household for for the sake of argument. Okay. And we wanted to show and group everything by the distributor organization household, and then the number of cases, just to kind of give that graph and showing the number, but we wanted to broke it out by those different things. And we were losing data and we weren't sure why. And so I assumed, okay, well, we're using the tools and the tool says, okay, grab this parent object and bring that into the data set and grab, you know, and then we continue through that flow. So we're using the point and click tools just like we're supposed to. And then we go to create the dashboard. And again, we use the point and click tools and we do the group buys and we were, we were losing data. And I removed one of the top level, the, the, the distribution and, and we started seeing more data. And then I moved the organization. And then I started seeing more data. So I'm like, well, it's, no, it's an and, not an or or something? Or what? Well, see, it? that was my thought. I thought, okay, well, maybe it's doing some kind of interjoin with these data sets. Yeah. Like it's, but it, but it wasn't. <laughs> the data's there. What I found out, and and again, if someone's more experienced with Einstein than I am, and and like maybe there's a flag or something I didn't set, what was happening is is when it, when you went to group by a null value, instead of being blank or saying null or unknown, it just took it out of the data set. So that's that's the way that tra- traditional databases work. And um, for example, and I can, But that's not the way... No, it's not. SQL doesn't work that way. Yeah. For example, in SQL, you can say, you can basically compare a database value to null. And in, right. and in any SQL compliant database, um, you can't compare anything to null. It's all, that's it, always false. You have to say, that's why there's a, there's a keyword in SQL is null, right? Mm-hmm. You can't say equals null. It'll because nothing equals null. It's not right. a value in in SQL semantics. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. That, that some of that behavior seems like it crept into Salesforce. It right? did, and, yeah. and you know, for the longest, I, I spent hours just trying to figure out, you know, okay, where did we go wrong? Is the data getting? Is the data not there, or is it there? Because the way the data set works is, even though you you basically have two two data objects, you have the case and the account, and the hierarchy gets built off of that account, so it just it just basically has all the accounts and it just kind of builds it as it goes. It's not like for the division, you have an account and then for the organization, you have a, an account, a collection of accounts and all that. It's all the same data set. I'm not explaining that well, but for someone who's seen the designer and seen how that kind of interacts and the output, um, you'll understand that. So what I ended up doing to solve for it, since there is no is null, is um, I had to use a coalesce function. Hmm. So I had to use SQL. SQL. <laughs> I guess that's Salesforce Analytics query language. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. <laughs> Which is weird because it's almost like a 
it's almost like programming. You, are we, do we, we've you know, always, always had the Sockwell versus Sokwell debate. Are we going to have a Sackwell versus like Sakewell? Yeah, I guess. Sackwell sounds almost uh, bad. Like, it's sort of Sakewell. It does. They both, they're both strange. Maybe just because we're so used to Sequel or Sockwell. Maybe. I mean, Sockwell took me about five years to say that without being uh, self. <laughs> What's the word? Well, <laughs> someone messed me up with, with Jason now. Because they were they were they were they were emphasizing the on, so they're saying like Jason, Jason. They're saying Jason, and I was like, "Why is emph- why?" And then uh, and then they asked me, "Well, Miyagi. how do you pronounce it?" I was like, uh, "I know and some people say Jason, and Jason, some people say yeah. Jason, but but because they were emphasizing the on so much, I started emphasizing it, and I was like, "No, now I'm doing it. Stop." It's, it's Mr. Miyagi style, Jason, Jason, <laughs> Jason. So when Jason. I used to have a natural way of saying, I didn't even think about it. I just say Jason. Yeah. And I wouldn't think about it. But now after that person said it wrong or emphasized it that way, I feel like I'm emphasizing Jason, it that way. Jason. So now I can't You're say like, it. oh my God, am I doing it now too? Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> it was kind of annoying. Um, so anyways, back to the Sackle, um thing. So you, you, you grab a data set, you load it in, and then you can loop through it. Um, and so I would loop through the data set and use a coalesce function that basically you know, grabs the first non-null value. Um, so I did that for for each one of those um, data points in the hierarchy, and just you know replace the null with unknown basically, yeah. and that solved my problem. So then once I did that loop, then I had to tell it to group, and then I had to you know of course. Uh, but I did a bunch of iterations trying to use the co-group function, hmm. which is kind of like your syntax for trying to do like inner and outer joins. Uh. Um, but it was really weird. I couldn't get it to work, and 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 it was because the problem wasn't that the data was joining incorrectly, it was that it was just dropping the nulls because there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, this, so. is, this is one of those weird things about Salesforce. You know, they, they try to take technologies, whether it's just a database technology or, um, you know, AI or any number of things, and they try to put, you know, and this is, is Salesforce's model, find some open source software and build a proprietary shell and GUI on top of it. Right? <laughs> no, that's, seriously. I guess. I don't, um, I don't know. And... I mean, that, that's basically what, you know, all the Einstein stuff is. And, and so anyway, um, and, and that's fine. I mean, they, they're building a value-added layer that supposedly makes it easier or whatever. Um, but it's an, it's an abstraction, right? And no abstractions are, there's always a cost abstraction. There's no perfect abstractions. They're always leaky, which is why, you know, and even in Apex, you see like, you know, you'll see Java exceptions bubble up or mm-hmm. weird Oracle things sometimes in and uh, the bubble up via Sockwell or, or Apex or whatever. And th- this is you know, probably one of those similar things. It's like, you know, they, they couldn't just give you SQL access to it. They have to get, they give you Sockwell access or Sackwell. I mean, it's, it's, and it's going through their own layer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it, I'm sure it adds value in certain areas. There's a reason why people pay Salesforce $10 billion a year. Um, but man, it can just create problems, you know, because you're not dealing with a, that raw technology like you would in any other circumstance. You're dealing right. with Salesforce's wrapper around it, which in some cases does good things and in some cases does bad things. And sometimes you want to burn it to the ground. <laughs> well, I, I will say that the, the tooling, at least for, for Einstein Analytics from the days of Wave, has gotten a little bit better. Uh, it's gotten a lot better, I should say. Um, it, it, is, it is a little bit easier to understand how things kind of flow and connect, um, mainly because it does a lot for you. But because it does a lot for you, because there's a lot of wizards that start that just start you off, 
um, I, I feel like a lot of people might miss out on how do you actually create? Because one of the questions that was asked of me was, well, how do you edit the fields? And I'm like, well, you should be able to just go into the data set and go in and add and remove fields. Um, but because that had changed from what I originally did, I was like, okay, maybe they changed it and you can't do it. Um, but I was able to go in and change it, but it's weird. You have to actually click on, there's a tab that says what fields are in the data set. That's not where you modify those fields. You have to go back to the kind of the summary tab for that. And there's a section that lists out as a string, the fields that are selectable mm. or that's selected in that data set. Yeah. You click on that and then the, like this view slides out and then you see the fields checkbox, but there's no really indication that you can interact with that. You just have to just go plunk and you interact with it and you go, oh, that's how I do it. That's yeah. how I add and remove fields. It's this weird thing where it's not user-friendly in that way. It's not discoverable or easy, easily, what, what do they call that? Um, I don't know. It's, it's just the, the feature is not that's, very discoverable, discoverable. That's what they call it. Yeah. You know, and it, your description of that reminds me just when I was, I think it was the developer keynote and watching you guys, it's, you know, a lot of demos and, and stories about companies that are, you know, turning compost into, I don't know, whatever. Then. <laughs> They're like solving the world's <laughs> problems by composting or something, one of those t- types of things. But they, it seems like everything's gotten real um, pop-up heavy, di- you know, like modal dialogue heavy. Is that, is that is that happening more? Or is it just yeah? Everything's modal now. I mean, how do you feel edit, about that? I mean, is, I, is that just a is that a um, is that a hand is that a crutch that we all kind of go to, or is it just sometimes is it is it the right interface? I feel it's like it's kind of a. Cr- I don't like it, to be honest. I, there are times where I do like it. I feel like I'm not being shuffled off to a different screen. I feel like I'm still in that screen. But there are situations, like if I'm on a tab and I go to create a new record, um, in fact, this happened to me. I was looking at a report. Um, I was actually reviewing my hours. And I went to the tab and it said, add new hours. I'm like, okay, cool. And then it shows a pop. I'm like, all right, then I can just add my hours and it'll refresh my report. And and that'll be really easy. I'm not having to jump to different screens. Whereas before I had to have two different tabs and I'd create two windows and split my view and just to keep that in sync. Well, what it did is when I created the new hour entry, it jumped me to the hour record. So I was like, well, what's the point of that? Yeah. Why, why not just send me to the hour record mm. screen and, and that way I can at least go back. Um, so it was just, it was just weird. And I, I, I've never really liked it. It's weird. It takes a weird real estate. There's this you're talking about lightning in general or I'm talking about the, the, the whole modal interface. Yeah, okay. Because I mean all your edits and everything, I think I mean there's some inline editing, but if you'd go and create a new record or things like that, it comes up in this modal window and I just I'm just not a fan of it. I was noticing it was not necessarily just like the general like, you know, data entry and navigation stuff in Salesforce. It was it was uh, when they were setting up some of these like Einstein prediction things and other things, like when you're kind of in admin mode and Whatever, it just seemed like there were a lot of pop-ups, process builder or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I was mean, like, it's well, very you know, pop. It, well, if it's, if, if it's not a pop-up, it's kind of like this floating div on a like, like almost like a wizard div. That's floating. a modal dialogue, right? I don't know what it is. Yeah. Because um, I remember seeing some of those demos and seeing how that some of flows in it. I don't know if that was just like a design choice where it just meant to look like a card interface I, or what. I don't think I'm in the camp that's like, no, you know, modals are bad. Don't ever use them. You know, I feel like that's the that's the same group that you know. Now issues is that the how you say it issue or skew, um, yeah, skew yeah. things like SAS and they're you know it's only uh, artisanal handcrafted CSS nowadays. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna because of the way you say that I'm gonna end up saying it. What oh artisanal? <laughs> <laughs> See the sad part that's how I say it now. That's um, that just that sounds normal to me. <laughs> I have to look up. I have to look up how to say issue though. How do you say that? It's chew. It's chew. Excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
Well, okay. So, and that was Einstein analytics that you were using? Or analytics? What do they call it now? Einstein analytics, I guess? A wave. It's my, the wave thing. My Einstein analytics? I don't know. I don't know. I keep hearing that, that you know, it's, kind of, it's getting better slowly but surely. I think so. Um, I, I like seeing some of the new chart options. Um, is it is it still hard to get it? I just don't have, I don't know if I have an org that has it. You can I've, get it with a developer org. So you, you can, can now? Okay. Yeah, you should be able to get that. I should be able to spin up a, a what do they call them? Uh, <laughs> The little scratch scratch org scratch org so okay. with with the, with a shape that includes analytics right yeah <laughs> yeah um, <So laughs> I have a question for you okay this is actually a non Salesforce question so I don't know how this is going oh wow work. shocker yeah I was I don't know how I came across this topic I was doing something um, is it true that there's no null or default ability in Java in C sharp, you have the ability to do an is null function, and you can say, okay, if this string is null, then default to this value. Or in JavaScript, you can say variable or this value, and it'll it'll it's it's just kind of it'll default it. And then I read somewhere that said that Java didn't have that feature um, because I, I think what I found it is as I was came across something on the um, uh, uh, an idea for that to be implemented in Salesforce to have that type of feature. And then as I was digging into it, I, I thought I read that Java didn't even support that. So I'm like, well, if Java doesn't even support that, then I doubt Apex will ever support it. Um, I, so I don't know if I, if I knew where Java has implemented this, but you're, what you want is... So, okay, in the Java world, there are a handful of, like, of, of libraries that are almost in every project, right? And so one of them is um, Apache Commons. Mm-hmm. And there's a like a string utils section that's got all like that and plus tons of other stuff. So I don't, I don't know if, let me see, uh, Java strings. Let's look at Java 8. This is the part of the show where we, <laughs> Google where we read stuff. programming APIs. No, it's, what does it call in some language? Like if null or something? Yeah, right? it'll, it'll be is null or is empty or um, JavaScript doesn't even have that syntax. It's just you use an or operator. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Java has that. I, I, I and if, like I said, it's one of those things that I would still use the, Apache Commons version of that, just because I probably don't even know that <laughs> uh, that it's if it's been added to the language. I don't think. But do you think a, that's a fair that not not a fair? But do you think that's a, a, a likely scenario that if the Java language doesn't support a certain feature, that we'll probably never see it in Apex type situation? I don't know. I mean, I think that's uh, the likelihood. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, because they they're still super basic. Java features they haven't exposed. I mean, and you know, I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to see what you know, what version or what JDK that this is, or you know, runtime that Salesforce mm-hmm. even runs on. Yeah, because I mean, I think you know, basically, I don't know. I, I bet, I bet it compiles down to, you know, probably at best Java one point five. So I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, um, done with that one. Yeah, go for it. So, you know, with, of course, Salesforce, all the talk of equality and everything. I'm, I'm reading news yesterday, and and the, the headline caught my attention. And it's um, it was in Fortune, but I think this was kind of, everyone had their own version of this article. But it was the richest 1% now own more than 50% of the world's wealth. Wow. I was like, yeah, I mean, that, that, this is a trend that's been going on for probably 10 years. Or maybe more, but it really accelerated. Um over the past 10 years because wages have been fairly stagnant over the past 10 years, but like equity values have gone up so much. It's kind of like literally like the rich get richer, like depending on how rich you are, that's 
Yeah, well, yeah, because they, they have different ways of making money. I mean, you have yeah. CEOs of major companies that are drawing zero salary and thus their entire compensation is based on stock, which falls under what capital gains, which yes, is a whole exactly. different tax mm-hmm. bracket. Yep. So exactly. Um, but anyway, so, so they're not nice. They're just really smart with their money. <laughs> right. And I'm just thinking, you know, and Benny have talks about equality all the time, but this is this is one kind of equality he doesn't talk about, which is I think people call this income. Income inequality. Hmm. And in people that talk about income inequality, usually it's, you know, these bad rich people that are sucking up all the world's money, all the world's wealth. That's one you don't hear Benioff talk about, do you? No, I, I guess I don't think I've ever heard him discuss that. I mean, he, he, I mean, I think he insulates himself because he does, he does do a lot of charity and he does have his name on a hospital and he, he does do a lot of fundraising and raises large amounts, as we saw some of the numbers coming out of Dreamforce. So, I don't think anyone would ever call him on it. Oh, I'd I'd like to see canceled checks on some of these things, but <laughs> that's not really the point of what I'm saying. Anyway, I got a couple of quotes here. That so far the Trump presidency has seen businesses flourish and employment grow through the ongoing supportive role played by the Federal Reserve uh, has undoubtedly played a part here as well, and wealth inequality remains a prominent issue. So what they're talking about there, and this is what I've been talking about, the zero interest, uh, zero interest rate policy, basically, that the Fed has had. I mean, our, they, the, the, the overnight Fed funds rate has basically been zero for, I don't know how long, 10 years, right? Something hmm. like that. Which is why equities have gone up so much. It's why you see companies, you know, and of course, Salesforce is just one of many that have, that, you know, maybe a 10, 20, $40 billion company that can't, can't make any money. But they still can create massive amounts of 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 wealth because of because there's nowhere else to put your money interest rates i mean and because of this the zero, zero interest rate policy uh you know what what is what how much money do you make if you go open a savings account put your money in there or a cd or something like nothing right yeah and and so you it, it forces money into equities is you know is what happens which is why you have i mean i think the stock market is just in this massive bubble mm. And, you know, and of course, we talk about Salesforce stock a lot, and it's certainly had a good run-up this year. Um, yeah, it's, it's continued to go up. It has, but, but you also have to compare that to their peers and also just the broader market. And, you know, everything's just up a ton. And it's, you know, the question is, is, is it backed by actual, fun, you know, fundamental financial metrics? And it's just, I don't think so. People make arguments that it does, but anyway. Uh, essentially, here's another thing. Uh, millennials are more likely to be unemployed or earning less and priced out of the housing market and unable to get a pension. <laughs> that last part was weird. unable to get a pension. Who the hell gets a pension? I was going to say, I didn't think pensions yeah. existed anymore. Yeah. I've never had the any few hope that of exist are usually like public sector jobs, like exactly. police officers and, yep. you know, teacher, whatever. Teachers and, and a lot of those are failing. That's true. So, well, yeah. I think that's just because they, yeah, they didn't, I don't know what they did wrong. Because if they've been investing in the stock market, they shouldn't be failing, right? Well, I think I think a lot of that the pension funds they do get invested to try to grow that money. But you know, as with anything, if you make good investments, you're good. If you make bad investments, then you're in trouble. Yep. So yeah, no, I just I mean, I, my overall thought was, oh, this is interesting. This is uh, this is one type of inequality that uh, Benioff does not seem to bring up. <laughs> Wonder why? <laughs> well, it's not it's not going to be a news of the day now. Once and once it does, he'll he'll be right in front of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm surprised he's not out in front of that yet. Man, he's still, but he still goes. He is still almost every interview he's giving. He's he's talking about that fourth industrial revolution because one, I think it makes him sound like a visionary. 
Um, but also, he also always dovetails that with, um, are, you know, oh, are we leaving people? He always, and he always poses it as a question. Mm. Are we leaving people out? Are people going to get left behind? You know? Yeah, you're leaving developers like, out. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You're leaving. <laughs> but that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. I mean, we, I, and you know, I, this, this makes the hair on the, on my next stand up. But I mean, I, I think we might be get into a situation where we have to look at some kind of like basic income. You got, you're going to, okay, here's the situation. 60, 70% of the world's wealth is going to be in the hands of a half a percent of people. Um, the other, you know, the other 99% are going to have not very much way to make income because we've automated so many jobs out of existence. And so you have to have some kind of basic income, but basically redistribute the wealth that's locked up in, you know, in a few hundred people's hands. Hmm. Um, And that's, I don't know, that's, that's the answer a lot of people like to have. Some people have been, you know, campaigning for a basic income for a long time. I, I don't like it, but. Because then, I mean, you'll make money for just sitting around doing nothing. I don't think that's good for the human spirit. No, I, I think we thrive on having something to do, some goals yeah, and something I mean, to achieve. Look at people that even, even I think we even thrive in, through adversity. I mean, I, I don't I right. think perfect I lives are just, it's like the Matrix where they, they say the first Matrix they built, everything was perfect and everyone rejected it. And so they had to, they had to build adversity into it. Yeah. I mean, you have to, it builds character. You know, we have to have goals. We have to have things we need to work for. It's good for our ego. Can't believe I just made a Matrix reference. Is that well, is that too old or too nerdy or just, not nerdy enough? All too, of the above. Yeah. All of the above. Anyway, um, I have a so he did an interview. Uh, up did another interview. He did a lot of interviews, but this is a fairly short one. This is and I and I like this woman's name, Poppy. Her name's Poppy. Poppy. Yeah, we've we've done her interviews before. That's a cool name. Um, but yeah, she works for CNN. I don't know if it's CNN Money. Maybe I don't know. I just see them on the web. I don't even know what channel this comes on. Let's see. Holding an equality summit this month. Yeah, so she's talking about how, I guess, Salesforce is holding an equality summit this month. I don't know if it's all month or it happens to happen sometime this month. And this comes on the heels of you launching the initiative at the company a few years ago to write write the ship. I mean, pay women doing the same work as men the same amount of money. Now, did you say she said like a few months ago? I mean, and she knows this is, they've been, she's been writing press releases about this for a year, did she? Okay. I it's think just, she started to say a few months and then corrected to a few years, but I thought I heard years. But th- this is one of those things where this is one of those things that Salesforce they got such they got such good traction they got such a payback out of it that they oh the ROI they, on that what six million is the number now that he's invested and they and they you know anytime they want to get back in the news or just you know that's it's been a it's been a six months or so since they've claimed credit for that they they just go to the press and say hey guys we did it again <laughs> another treat please. And you've spent $6 million so far to do that for 26,000 employees. But what does it say, Mark, that we need an equality summit in 2017? Well, I think this is really the key, which is that we all are witnessing that artificial intelligence, robotics, autonomous vehicles, nanotechnologies. And we see how those things... And, and that's, that is the canonical list of the things from the fourth industrial revolution mm-hmm. that Klaus Schwab likes to talk about and all these people. So you're going to hear Benioff. I mean, he's, he's going to talk about, you know, quantum more and more and more. These are altering our society, but we have to ask ourselves a question, a which question. is, are we... Yeah, we don't have to ever give any answers. He doesn't... He's not saying like, yeah. here's, hey, we are, the rich dudes like me are going to destroy 90% of y'all's lives and your income. He's, and he's not saying, this is what I'm going to do about it. He's saying... Oh, I'm just asking the question. I don't have any solutions. What was the UPS? Remember the UPS ad? Oh, we don't. 
we don't implement the things we recommend. We just recommend them. <laughs> creating more equality in the world through these technologies, or are we creating more inequality? Are we mm. creating a world that is more united or a world that's more divided? I mean, are you worried in the back of your head that some of these advancements in technology, while so good for society in so many ways, could hurt us on the equality front? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is not, you know, worried. This is front of mind for me. Mm. I am deeply concerned that we are at a, a, a precipice right now. We are at a point where we need to make these decisions. We need to decide what kind of a society that we're going to have going forward. Are we going to bring women into our workforce? Are okay, and so he goes... It's a he, weird pivot. I feel like he's... Yeah, that's exactly what it was. He's immediately pivoting he's, because he has no answer. He has no answer for that. So all he, has to, all he can do is go back to gender pay gap. Right. Well, I, I, I have a number of things to say about that. I mean, I, I, first of all, I don't, I don't think that anytime soon or even in the future, we're going to be, I don't think we're going to be without jobs. I think it's already happening, John. It's, it's already happening. Everything transitions. I mean, they used to wrap candies by hand and now that it's all automated, but yet there's still jobs out there. You know, Hershey's still exists and employs hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, it's just, it, people will transition to different roles and different skill sets and things. There's still going to be work for people to do. I don't think it's going to be as doom and gloom as, as he's painting it to be. And if so, and even if it is, I mean, what is Salesforce doing about it? They're, they're continuing to, to design the Skynet. I mean, they're, they're building Einstein and they're continuing to automate more. And but the, again, I, I actually, I, this kind of gets into my topics from Dreamforce is I was listening to the surprisingly, I'm going to say I'm, a, I'm extremely surprised that I enjoyed this keynote and it was Ashton Kutcher's keynote, believe it or not. Funny you mentioned that I, I did. I watched the first couple minutes of that, and he seemed so unprepared. Well, I just turned the, it off. The start of it was was horrible because yeah, he tried okay. to kind of tell the story to lead into his topic. Yes. You had to get past that okay. to get to the to the content. So I did not get past that story. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that story that the the kind of playful story he tried to start out with just didn't do the topic any service. But um, you know, I, I, he said some good things that I that I thought resonated with me, and that is, you know, technology is a tool. We, we keep treating it like this is good or bad thing. That it's that's either inherently evil and inherently good, and that that all these things happen because of technology. But he, you know, he reframed the conversation as you know, technology is a tool. It's what we do with it, and it's our responsibility to do something with it. And I think that's the same thing with with these tools that are being built for AI and in all these kind of machine learning things. I think they just become tools. They're better tools um, than what we've had before, and we'll find new ways of using them. It probably will make certain jobs obsolete, but that's an opportunity for us to go and do something else. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my perspective on it. I don't have this doom and gloom perspective that, that for some reason a lot of these people in the tech industry have, and I don't understand it. I, I don't know if they're in the bubble and they're too far removed from everything and the, all they see is all the things that they can do with their money and power and that there's not going to be anything left for anybody because everything could be automated and screw, screw the employees. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And I'm not, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not one of these futurists. I, I, you know, and if you look at our, our previous industrial revolutions, I guess the first three, at least we had three. Was the first one agriculture or something? I don't know. But anyway, I mean, yeah, there were there were of course always you know, jobs that were eliminated, but they were always replaced. I mean, there was always a net positive thing, right? Um, yeah. This one just, I mean, you know, the the supposed smart people that think about these things. This one seems different. They all feel different about this. There, are, people are worried about this. I mean, Benioff talks about this at every chance he gets now. Yeah, I, you know, I right? just you I, know how he gets in front of things. You don't think that's what's happening right now that. He needs to insulate himself from from being criticized in the future that he's playing a role in 
No, I, I, I think, I think the. And by the way, I, I, think I don't think media... Salesforce has a choice. I'm, I'm not saying that Benioff's this, uh, you know, evil billionaire. At, not at all. I don't think he has a choice. I think he's doing the, exactly the right thing for his company that he should be doing. Yeah. But that just is going to have necessary consequences in terms of reshaping society and reshaping economies. I, and the I, question is, what's it going to look like after that? I, I do think he's getting in front of it. I, I do think that there will be some kind of um, mass reaction to this, whether it's media or just individuals in general on social media that will blow this up. Um, I think there will be some kind of mass reaction to this and everyone will feel like we have to do something about it and we have to, you know, start passing legislation and all this kind of stuff. I think there will be some kind of reaction to it, but I don't think it's going to be rooted in reality and I don't think it's going to be anything that'll last very long. It'll be one of those phases in time where we were really scared about something and it turns out oh, it was it was no big deal. We got past it. We dealt with it, you know, like, you know, the 2000s. Um, I mean, that was the big thing. We're all going to die. People were building bunkers because nuclear bombs were going to be automatically just, you know, detonated and stuff. And, and we, we survived. We made, we, we were okay. Yeah. All right. Are we going to have make sure that women are using these technologies as well, learning? We're going to have to, <laughs> that sounds so weird. We're going to have to make sure that women are using technology. You know, that's, that's so weird. It, that, that was a theme of the, uh, the World Economic Forum um, keynote. It's like, it's like, hey, women, use this. Is that, you know, they, they really looked at the numbers in terms of education and tried to create this path of opportunity through education and things like that. Um, and I don't really want to get into it because I have some opinions that I don't, I don't think most people will agree with. Um, not that I'm not supportive of women and, and, you know, closing the gap. I just don't like the solutions they were outlining. They made it seem more like, peop, like, like it had to be like this invitation thing instead of an empowerment thing, you know, a push forward, a, you know, gain confidence, go, go forth and get it. So anyways, I mean, we can, move, we can move on from that. I don't, I don't really want to get into it, but I, I, you know, I did notice that there was a theme to that. that there was this educational component that, that, um, that they're really trying to, I don't know, strive for or increase or things like that. Hmm. Okay. These technologies being able to transform uh, their own careers using this technologies that that's on our mind here at Dreamforce. When we sat down years ago in San Francisco and talked about this initial push to right the ship on salaries, you've done it once, now you've done it twice. Again, you've spent six million dollars to do this. Are you are you done? Well, first of all, let's get it right out there. There's no finish line when it comes to equality. That's number one. Yeah, yeah. So the six million, by the way, that's that's like two hundred dollars per employee per year. So. I don't. I don't agree with this statement either. There's no finish line. I mean, it's, I mean that, that just that's a perpetual victimhood. I don't. I don't get that. Well, I mean, look at progressive politics. Do they, is there ever a finish line to these things? Well, I don't want to get into politics. No, I'm just saying. I'm saying. I mean, Mark's got progressive I'll, politics. I'll give you a counter. I'll give you a counter way of approaching that. And I'm going to go back to the Ashton Kutcher thing. Um, <laughs> I really. Well, love remember. It. I want you to remember your question, though. I want you to remember that him saying uh, that there's no end to this. Okay. Right. Well, I want to go back to the Ashton Kutcher thing because, okay. again, I really enjoyed well, Do you want that. to get to this clip or what? Well, I, because I want to he, – he said something that that um, I enjoyed. I think it's the right way to approach that okay. those type of conversations. So in, in the Q&A, um, this, this younger woman, I think she was a teenager because she kind of asked the question of, as a teenager, um, you know, what can I do? You know, how do how – you know, I don't feel empowered to do things. How can I do it? And, you know, he kind of – Listed off a few things that things she can get involved with, how she can start he, the conversation. I guess he said, "Don't you ever 
think you're not empowered. <laughs> he did. You are always empowered. <laughs> he that's, did. I didn't like that part. That's how he, that's just how he, that's how he answers everything, yeah. isn't it? He's got that. Yeah. <laughs> he did say exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, He gets very indignant. He did. Sorry for yelling at the microphone too. Um, but, but at some point he kind of, he, he, he finished up his, you know, kind of the different things you can get involved with. And he said, he goes, here, you have the keys, go drive. You know, he, he, he said, you know, go do something. Don't yeah. just sit there and think no one, no one's giving you out the opportunity to do something. Just go do it. Yeah. That's how I, that's what well, I feel about some of these things. I too. And, and I actually think that's one way. And again, whether this is nature or nurture, I don't know. But one thing that's different about young, I would say young women or young, and young men or, or boys and girls is that boys tend to not ask for permission to do those things. Mm. And they just like, just do them because, you know, it's just, it's, I don't, I don't know if they're more, for, more wired for it. And I think, I think girls say girls, you know, like kids or young women, um, they, they tend to think they need to ask or they, maybe this is not something they're supposed to do. And again, that's why I'm like, I don't know if this is nature or nurture. I mean, you know, why do they think they, I don't I, know. My daughter likes to do things without asking. Well, and I don't know. And that's why I also, <laughs> these, these conversations are always fraught with just like general, it's like, you can't not generalize, but yeah. then people get on to you for generalizing. It's like, yeah. whatever, can't win. Now let's talk about, you know, where we are going forward. You look at just pay equality, mm -hmm. and we know that in the world we're paying men and women very differently. The World Economic Forum says it will be more than 200 years before men and women are paid the same mm -hmm. for the same work. Women are treated differently in Hollywood. We all So just so people know, there, there's um, been a lot of studying on this, and, and people, you, you know, these uh, think tanks using the... Um, labor statistic numbers, and and if you're a if you do the proper statistical work, or at least that I'm, I'm kind of making their argument, I really don't know what the truth is here. But um, and and block for the things like men choose men choose higher paying um, uh, positions or you know industries, whatever what's you know like vocations or whatever. Um, they're willing to do more risky work. They end up actually working more. They work more hours. They don't take time off, and they they tend to have degrees in areas that are that are more money. All those things, then, you know, some the argument is that really the, the the pay gap. It's really not a pay gap. It kind of vanishes. It's more of an earnings gap, which mm -hmm. you know, I guess, just a different or a name for a different thing. But, um, but he also just said, I guess, my main point here is that we're going to solve this in two hundred years. Which I know that's kind of a long way away. But he right before that just said this: there's no finish line. Was well, is there a finish line or is there not a finish line? <laughs> Yeah, that is, that is a bit contradictory. The for the same work. Women are treated differently in Hollywood. We all understand that multidimensionally. But that's I don't know if he wants to bring up Hollywood my... right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I don't know if that's what he was referencing or not. You know, like the, um, the well, I mean, there's the sexual always, harassment. I mean, th there is a fairly noticeable gap in Hollywood. I mean, you see male stars getting top billing. And... Um, no, sorry. Um, highest paid actor is Sandra Bullock, right? Yeah. In the world. So, And there's, she's not the only one that's up there. Um, Emma Stone leads for, no, that's actress. Uh, I don't know where exactly it is. Now I can't find like a super recent one, but wow. Uh, this surprised me. Um, what's the guy's name? Uh, um, I can't think of his name. Wahlberg. He's the mm -hmm. top. He was in 2017 top paid. Wow. Hmm. Didn't know that. I like him. Company as well, where we have a very significant issue regarding pay equality. Mm. So we saw several years ago we had a pay discrepancy. You remember we talked about that, and we made a pay adjustment. We raised our salaries for women three million dollars. Then all of a sudden, two years later, we ran the same queries on the same database, looking at the same information, and guess what? We have. By the way, I, I really do, and I. 
you know, I mean, t- to whatever extent Salesforce found that they were, I don't even know how you'd f- phrase it, like unfairly underpaying women. Like they discovered that maybe, maybe like, because what it's saying now is like, we bought, the, some of the companies we bought had pay problems. Mm-hmm. That's why, that's how we developed the problem. It wasn't our fault. <laughs> you know, we bought companies that had pay problems. Um, so, but anyway, my point is, if, it's good that they fix those things so they do find them. But this this idea that they ran a database query to see, that just, that doesn't work. I mean, people get, people enter into employment agreements based on what an employer has to pay to get that person at the time, depending on how the labor market is and, you know, what they can get from other employers and things like that, right? Um, if you got a job at Salesforce today making a certain amount of money, and let's say two years later, um, the employment market's much tighter, and I go apply there. I'm I might get I might be able to strike a better deal than you did, mm-hmm. right? And or I might be I might have um, I don't know might just be better than you. I might be just worth more money. You enjoyed saying that. I'll flip you? it away. I'll flip, flip it the other way. Maybe you make more money <laughs> than me because you're just better than me. And we, we have the same number of years. We're the same age. We've been doing the same same thing. If you're just better than me, or you just made a better case, or you interview better, or whatever. I mean, uh, you can't run a database query to, to see that. And and I don't deserve to make as much money as you if, I mean, honestly, it comes out of the market. If there's no employer that's willing to pay me what they're willing to pay you, then that's what that's what I'm worth. That's what my what my services are worth. Yeah, but I think there's I think no database the, query that's good. The database well, is not going to tell you that answer. The database query is going to say, "Oh, you need to be ch- paying Jeremy as much as you're paying John." That's what I'm saying. It doesn't work male to female. It doesn't work. It doesn't work male to male, female to female. That does not work. And if they're doing that, then they're doing it wrong. And that's going to cause that. That causes problems too. I think that just depends on the perspective, on the culture. If, if you're if you're paying top dollar for top talent, then yes, that's an issue because to equalize everyone, then you have to pay your lesser skilled talent what you're paying your top talent. But that's not equalizing. I mean, they have they have une- they these people provide value to the company that are not equal. You know, you see I mean, saying? it depends I, on how you slice the metric. You could say that this job function is, this is the value that job function has, regardless of who's doing it, regardless of their skill or their gender or their age. You can, you can granulize it differently and say that, okay, we're not paying by person, individual talent. We're not even recognizing individual talent anymore. Um, we're only going to recognize job function. And some companies like to think that. But the thing is, is when you say, oh, you know, we have a job function called product management, it pays $125,000 a year, that's what it pays. Then you go to hire people and you realize that pretty much the going rate for that right now is $140,000. You're not going to get anyone to take your job offer. So you, what do you do? You, you offer someone $140,000 because you have to. There's, you can't... It, then, I mean, if you're going to be strict to the rule of equality, you know like then, you, you, then you, you hire the person at 140 and you elevate everyone to that level. You say, okay, we... The market's changed. This is what we we're going to do. And that might have benefits. That might have benefits in terms of retention because now, now the market is this. And in someone, instead of having to leave a job to up their salary, because you know the, the cost of living increases are, are never enough. Your only way to really kind of take a good jump in pay and advance yourself is to leave a job no, and well, find you, another job. Or you job. move up. You, you, know, you, you get promoted. Or you, yeah, or you move up, yeah. No, I, but I would argue that you know any company that just is regularly uh, just... Un, un, unprovoked um, r- raising everyone's salary all the time is probably going to go out of business because <laughs> you can't compete because people don't do that. You know, it's just not well, how Well, I works. mean, it could lead to... Tur- turns out the business is a competitive thing. Well, <laughs> and, and you're, think, also, you're also you're going to be more likely to end up with layoffs if a company that does that. I was going to say, I'm I mean, it, there, it would create more instability. I mean, you would have 
more layoffs if, if that's your rule that you pay by job function and there's no increase. In- and, and surprise, surprise, I'm coming to this from a market-based approach, right? I think you should pay people what you have to because that's what the market demands you pay them. But that's yeah. unfair, Jeremy. And no, it's not unfair. That's like the, the fairest thing to me. Again, <laughs> I, no, no surprise, right? I'm a, I'm a free market-loving libertarian. Um, and I think that fixes, it, I don't want to say completely fixes, but that does a lot to address the gender pay um, gap where that exists. I just, I, I just, because I don't like paying the idea. people what they're worth, what the value they can bring to the organization, and and you know what I mean, or, or what well, you have to pay them to get them. And and you know, either way, I don't, I don't look to a company to be fair and equal. To be honest, I really don't. I mean, their motivations are not no, my motivations. No, my motivation right. is to feed example, my family, provide for well, my family. Right. Their motivation is profit because that's what the company is founded on: is to exactly. make money for their shareholders. If they're a public company, a private company might have a different. Um, perspective and right. they have that freedom because they're private but when they're public their job is to make money for the shareholders right and, and these six-figure salaries that i've just been talking about like and these are you know th- these are high skilled um you know in the high tech and it's in an area of the country where you have to pay people more but that's it's a lot of money right but salesforce doesn't pay a product manager one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year because they're generous and like oh we no, we like to play we like to really make sure we're paying high salaries no they don't they pay that because they have to no one pays, no company pays an employee more than they have to. Yeah. You know? They don't do that because they're generous, because they like providing great salaries. And I think they pay the, those well, amounts because they have to, because the market makes them. And I think that's, that's why my, that's why I say that helps fix the gender thing. Because if you've got a woman who's a badass product manager, she's there's gonna be companies that are willing to, hey, we're yeah, we'd love to have you, you know, and um, you know, it turns out that role is going for about one hundred twenty-five thousand. Does that sound good to you? That sounds good to me. That's what I've heard from other companies too. But I want to work with you guys, so yeah, I'll, I'll take that. They can't offer a hundred thousand because it's not enough. They, you know, it's just like people who are paying what the market what the market requires them to pay. And in my perfect world, that helps the gender problem. I know there's it's a well, lot I mean, more can, complex we, than we, that. Yeah, but. it's it's a lot more complex, and we can go into the weeds, and we can talk about all yeah, the different the variables. And How do you things. like these weeds, John? I don't like them. But what you're, I what I will say is I I <laughs> bottom line, either way, I don't like the idea that we put so much faith in a company to to do the right the thing. The data I don't the, the querying our HR system. What they they probably use what's the one uh the the new HR startup out there that's from the PeopleSoft guys uh, that the left PeopleSoft um oh come on. Uh I have no they, idea. they had they it was all they remember they had like the whole the flash based it was all flash based for a while. Um, online HR. They're in um, Pleasanton. I have. I don't remember it all. Hang on. Google HR Pleasanton. Why do I? That, why is that all I know about them? Is that not in Pleasanton? Workday. Workday. Yeah. I mean, I think Salesforce uses Workday. They're just querying the database. To, it's like that's not going to give you the problem. I mean, I I appreciate the what they're they have good goals, right? They want to mm-hmm. they want to make sure they haven't they didn't. They want to make sure they didn't, um, uh, they weren't biased, right? And if they feel like they were biased when they hired someone and they are intentionally or whatever paying people less because of something about them that has nothing to do with their actual value to the company, then yeah, I, I appreciate that that effort to fix those things and not, you know, whatever. I just think that this whole, oh, a da- we're going to do a database query that's going to tell us whose salary to adjust. That's no, it's way more complicated than that. Well, I, I think 
I mean, like, yeah, don't you think I, I, you'd have to go? You'd have to go back to you have to look at their hiring records and look at the other candidates and what offers were made to other candidates. And you I don't know, have any it's, insights it's into how they how they did that. Well, he just I, told I you. He just told you they ran a query against the database. That's his simplified view of it. I mean, he, it's not like he sat there and ran the query himself. I mean, there were people who were dedicated to to doing this kind of this research. Is, this, John, this is the most innovative CEO in cloud computing. And, and for all we know, they hired an outside firm to to do an, yeah. an independent audit on it. I know. Well, if that's not what they did, then he shouldn't say that. He should just say, "Well, we." You know, we hired all kinds of smart people to help us figure this out. <laughs> Not we ran a SQL query. Uh, right. Another $3 million discrepancy. Mm. How could that be? Well, we had bought a couple dozen Not our companies. Fault. Yeah. And when you buy a company, you not only get all their technology and their management team, guess what else you get? You their get their problems. You get their problems, too. <laughs> you get their problems, their and problems. they had pay problems. Because those problems are out there. And, of course, then we have to re-equalize and make those changes again. And, you know, that, that's where we are. There's no finish line when it comes to quality, exactly like I said. So on my mind, mm -hmm. on just on this one issue, you know, do we have enough women on our board of directors? Do we have enough women in our management team? Do we have enough women in, in middle management? The answer is generally no. No. We don't. They don't. And are we paying men and women the same? It's the shocking truth is we're not, and so we have to keep this front of mind. You told me years ago the goal is 50-50, really parity um, within five years. Uh, here's where you are now. That's right. Gender overall at the company, 70% men, 30% women. Leadership, 80% men, 20% women. How do you, you talk about a women's surge, a diversity surge, but how do you, how do you make that surge. happen, Mark? I mean, I guess I'm asking... Do you force it? Well, we have Are improved those numbers actually very significantly since we last talked. Yep. So those points of everything has moved up mm -hmm. and everything is moving in the right direction. And we have all kinds of, you know, creative new ways that we found to start focusing on and improving those things. Like you want to know what those creative ways are. Unfortunately, yeah. is really born through our whole industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that well, we wear that and we recognize we need to make sure that we're constantly making those improvements and changes. And, and I think it's empirical that we are. This all also ties into the moment of reckoning when it comes to sexism, sexual harassment, uh, se sexual assault in Silicon Valley right now. Yeah, I think that is, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. I'm kind of it, done with this conversation. You know, and I know I am too. <laughs> it's just weird that, you know, that's a five minute course that took us an hour to get through a four and a half minute clip. But, you know, 80% of that was spent on this thing that's news from four years ago. Isn't, this is an article from, or an interview from just a few days ago. We're talking about news that's four years old. It's crazy, or three years old, or however, whenever it was. It has some staying power. And well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's a success story in the technology sector where, where it's 70-30 split and people want to equalize that to 50-50. Yeah. Um, so, I, I yeah. It's just weird. And, and even when I hear the words come, come to his mouth, it's like, oh, you know, we have to make sure that we're paying women the same as men. I mean, you shouldn't even pay men the same as men. Like, you got two programmers. Like, one <laughs> of them's going to be better than the other, and they're going to just, they're going to get more done. They're going to be more productive. It's the same role, same position, but they're, they're just going to, they're going to make more money. Well, I think the argument for that is that you would have to, you'd have more classes of a role. So you'd have to start elevating people into uh, I don't know, no, developer you, one, developer two, developer three, sure you and each you one just, of those you have... You don't have to, again... Once upon a time, a a role had a had a salary uh, range. Those are all artificial. That's those are artificial contracts that 
that constructs that some large that a lot of large companies use because they don't know how there's no they need standards to make sure that some managers aren't overpaying or underpaying or and whatever. that's fine but a lot but of times they have a huge range like one salary will have a or one position has a giant range it varies but i mean i've been in situations where i had to i had to get approval to move into a different a higher role let's say developer two i think it went from one i don't know if it was three two one or <laughs> one developer two, two. Yeah, so, seven. so you had to, I had to move up into a different role, yeah. and I had to get approval for that because that was basically a promotion yeah. in order to get a higher salary. Yep. So I basically hit my cap. There, there's, there was no nothing anyone could do to give me more money, despite that's, how good it, I was. And at that what is, I was doing. that's the goal of those programs: is to put red tape in to make it hard to for people to get raises. Because that's how companies. It's not an equality thing. It's, no, I'm, it's just, I'm just saying. I mean, these are the things that we've been dealing with for with yeah. forever with companies. I yeah. mean, they do the best they can to to maximize profits, mitigate their their costs. I mean, it it it's all about efficiency and and yeah. and you know how how much they can improve that profit line. Salesforce is 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 I don't what's the word I don't know predicated, but I mean it's built on creating efficiency, <laughs> reducing the amount that you have to actually do, uh, offloading. Uh, work from your IT department because yeah. now it's all hosted. You don't right. have to host any servers. You don't have to do anything. Although it is, it is odd that Salesforce makes software that's supposed to make it more efficient to sell and market, but they're selling and marketing costs. It, it costs them far more to sell and market their product than most companies. I, I've always found that odd. It, does, it doesn't speak well of their tools that they, they sell. I don't know. I think the tools are okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with the development environment, yeah. but you know, I mean, I think the the tool and the software itself has has grown, and especially a lot of the things I, I see from Lightning is really encouraging in terms of you know capability and yep. flexibility. I guess my point is Salesforce is not a good to, uh, you, uh, when you come case study for having efficient sales and marketing because they have to spend so much money on sales and marketing to keep their business running. Yeah, right. I mean, I wonder if that's just there trying is. to prove out this new business model. It's not so much the about on, the software. The ongoing, it's it's like, not so much about the product. That is the, the conversation that seems to never end. Why does it cost so much for them to, you know? <laughs> but I don't think it's a reflection of the they, software. I think they, it's a reflection of the business model. It could be. We don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. What else is going on, John? Let's see. So, uh, you know, Benioff is just still going on and on about Microsoft. And there's to the point that the people are writing articles about, hey, what's wrong with Benioff? Like, why will he not stop it, talking about Microsoft? I don't know because it keeps him. It keeps him um, on the list of competitors. If he's yeah. talking and, and talking about you know the the differences or where they compete, and if he's, he's his name's there, then his name is with Microsoft, Oracle, and Salesforce. Here's, that keeps his name with those with those giants. Here's one title: Microsoft's soaring growth in the cloud make Mark Benioff's digs seem silly. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, you, you go out and you read about Microsoft's gains and um, and then you see an article about Salesforce. I mean, that that's it's it's all strategy. It's all PR. Yeah, I just I wonder why what Benoff is is he still butthurt about the LinkedIn thing? Is that what it is? No, I, I really think it's purely just business. I really just think competition. It's, it's just, just competition. It, it's making sure that Salesforce is in the conversation somewhere. If someone's if Microsoft is blowing up and there's a lot of news on it. You know, why not say something a little bit controversial so people start talking about it? And now, now Salesforce is associated with with Microsoft and all those articles. Um, yeah, I mean that's free press. Why not? Um, there was the um, hear about these kids. What what was it? It was they I got did. turned away. And I, I don't did. know. I mean, the, I've 
the, hey, the problem with this story is that I feel like we're missing some information here, at least from the article that I read. You know, that so who was it? It was um, it was it was kids. It was twenty low income, mostly Latino, which not sure what that has to do with anything. But they were ejected from Dreamforce. Uh, what was it? They were they were in some program, right? Yeah. Um, I can't find the information on, but anyway, you know, supposedly the security guard said, "You don't belong here." And then someone else, of course, there's there's differing accounts of what was actually said. Someone else said that the security guard said, "Your kind doesn't belong here." But then we found out that the two security guards were. It was a black guy. I, mean, I think I don't know if they were men or not. It was a, a black one and a Latino one. I'm like, <laughs> with, the, with so the Latino much, security it guard, so much worse when he said one. <laughs> the, with, said saying, it doesn't make sense that the Latino security guard would look at these Latino kids and say, "Your kind doesn't belong here." Like what? I find that hard to believe. It, it, well, that someone also, would the, say the that. The weird badges. Did you hear about that? That, that was it. That was the other weird I mean, that's fact poss- about this. It's entirely possible. There's so many badges and so many different colors. I, well, they got their badges ahead of time. Yeah, they got them, and I thought maybe the badge printer wasn't uh, wasn't ready, so they printed out like construction paper or something. Because <laughs> it said the badges were brown and like not even laminated or something, and. And also which they, is which is typical of kind of the temporary badges that they'll give you. Like if you're there for like a single day type event, you'll get these kind of printed out temporary badges, yeah. and they might not they they look they don't look as official as the the laminated card looking things that you would normally get. Anyway, I feel like this this the narrative of this story is a complete misunderstanding. It might have been a I mean there might have been an actual you know, they were turned away by mistake, but. The 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 differing accounts of what the security guard actually said, and the idea that Salesforce—I mean, because that's that is the underlying, you know, accusation here—is that Salesforce is turning away, you know, low-income Latino student, Latino kids or adults or whatever they are, um, just because they're uh, low-income and Latino. That, that's like, come on, get that, that was that was a. Yeah, what do you call it? A low, a low blow. Not even, it's not even, there's no way that's even accurate. That article, and that was a San Francisco examiner, probably should be ashamed of themselves. You should have gotten more information. I think they said they tried, but Salesforce wouldn't respond, but still. Like, that's, learn, learn some, learn, get more, get more information before you yeah. write the article. And then the truth is, had they gotten more information, they would realize it was, there was like just literally an honest mistake. Because Salesforce ended up, I guess once they found out about it, they got them, they got real badges printed for them, and they, they were able to go to like the last couple of days of Dreamforce or something, but. Well, it's indicative of the problem with media. I mean, this was a link bait. It was title, and the only reason I even put it in my notes, I wouldn't have brought it up, is because it's circulated around so much. I feel like we should just talk about it, just to say that this this is not a reflection of Salesforce or how they view people at all. Obviously, right? Well, even even in the article, they they say that they say that. Well, they they quote people who are defending Salesforce and Mark Benioff and saying this is definitely right, not their culture. That this is this you know this is not something that they they would have. Agree or was I don't know. It's, it's just it's just not something they would have done. Exactly. So that yeah, this article was just total BS, <laughs> and, and the title was just egregious. So we have um, what else do we have? We have the developer keynote we wanted to talk about. They also had the investor day out of Dreamforce, and I don't know. I asked if anyone was going to that, and no one responded. The developer day, um, and no investor day. Did I say developer? Oh. I meant investor. But there were some interesting facts I saw summarized, so I thought it would go through a few of those. Some investor day. So, uh, and some of these we already know, but Salesforce is targeting to double their revenues to $20 billion over the next four years. So what's that, 2022, 20, something like that? Yeah. I mean, um, we, we heard that. I mean, we heard as soon as he got to $10 billion, which was what, this year is when he changed it to $20 billion? Right. But the interesting thing is that they're going to get there in the next four years. 
and they'll be at sustained 20% growth, which, you know, being a 10 billion plus company, that's, that's still pretty impressive. I mean, the, again, the question is, are they having to buy that growth? Is it coming at such a cost that they still don't make any money? You know, that's... Well, yeah, I'm not sure I would have believed it uh, probably a year ago or even earlier in this year, but I have actually seen some good amount of traction with their verticals, you know, in the insurance and health and financials that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, so that's one um, of the points here, actually, the verticals, but... Um, they're a total addressable market by across all of their five business segments. By 2021, it's supposed to be $120 billion. So I guess if, they're, if they've got $20 billion of that, that's pretty good market share, 20 out of $120 billion. Uh, the main focus of Salesforce's go-to-market strategy continues to focus on targeting and winning commercial and large enterprises with a high-touch sales model. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's code for stake and hookers right there. <laughs> Um, but no else? beer kegs in the office. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> Unless you're in sales, and then you can do whatever you want. Uh, but engineers, no. No, no kegs for you! <laughs> Salesforce has grown the number of customers paying them $20 million annually from just three uh, enterprises four years ago to 24 today. So they have 24 customers paying them $20 million or more. Wow. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, the upsell, cross-sell, and add-on product sales, including CPQ, into the installed base are a significant source of their of their revenue. Um, 26% of new sales come from new customers, while 74% come from the existing installed base of new sales. That's that's actually really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think CPQ is, is turning out to be a really good win for them. I, you know, it's they, really, they it, bought that, right? That was Steelbrick? They, yeah, okay. they bought that, but it's it really has opened up the vertical, the manufacturing verticals, you know, because now they have a solution. Now it's part of the conversation. It's not, oh, you can get an app for that, and now you've lost, you've lost them in that conversation. Yeah. Now they're still within the conversation of buying Salesforce because Salesforce has an option for that. Yeah, I mean, it's such an important part of selling for a lot of companies that mm -hmm. it, I think it makes sense to have that in house. Um, Salesforce's six product announcements reflect a strong focus on providing low code slash no code development tools. Strengthened with customization and personalization to drive adoption and reduce the cost of sales. So I'm torn on the the customization stuff. I, I I'm not really a fan of the theming. I, I, unless you're going to have your graphic design team theme your Salesforce, which I'm sure not. I mean, I, how many how many logos have you seen in Salesforce that are just god awful oh, yeah. crappy? It's like they take a twenty by. It's 20 got like some gray background it. or yeah, something. Yeah. It's like got <laughs> half their website header in it because they just kind of copied it and drug it from the website onto there. They, it's they just scanned their letterhead and then cropped the logo out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do, well, I do kind of like the idea of branding the mobile app so that as you know, when you have employees, you say download this official app and it right. says yeah. Mike the company and it's branded. I do like that kind of customized branding. Um, I'm not a fan of enabling. I, I don't think it's a reason not to do it. I, I think it's fine that they offer the feature. I, just, I think it's good. I, I just hope that people use it responsibly, yeah. I guess, is my well, caution. Well, yeah, it's not going to happen. I mean, yeah. some will, but most won't. We all know how that works. Make the logo bigger. Yeah. I have seen instances where it's backfired, like on the logo, because you can customize the logo screen. And one one of the companies has like this orange background. And so when you do the, the, the uh, Salesforce Authenticator, you have to, the background is like this orange and then you get the green icon that says, okay, you're good. You've been authenticated. Well, it's this green on this orange and it's God awful hideous. So, I mean, there's cases where because of the custom theming, things are going to conflict like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's enterprise software. You're, we're, we're lucky it looks as good as what it does, honestly. No, we're supposed to be innovating. We're supposed to be changing yeah. what enterprise software is. It's not this ugly 
clunker anymore. It's supposed to be this beautiful thing that we so, enjoy using. So this is your point. Vertical cloud products are among the most effective product strategies for generating new bookings from existing customers. It, but we've always said that. We've always known that verticals, because they've kind of tackled the kind of general CRM market, we've always known that if for them to grow, they're going to have to get those verticals. Yep. And they've tried on numerous occasions to get the verticals. I think they finally um, have some traction in that. I'm not sure what caused that. I don't know if it's if it's lightning in general or if it's the the new features like CPQ and things like that that are enabling these verticals or um, maybe they finally have some options for connecting to some of these systems that those those type of industries rely on. Yeah, I just think it's part of the strategy just to continue like do whatever you can to grow. Or maybe just Keith is off some selling grow. stuff. Got to keep growing, right? <laughs> 25 30%. Yeah. Uh, trailhead and announcements of no code slash low code development tools are the beginning of a new go-to-market strategy to reduce the cost to book new business and create and increase customer loyalty. Yeah, so that's that's definitely the strategy. Hey, you don't have to worry about doing any programming, no expensive programmers. And, and you know, and, and we, they will be we might the, look at that and say, okay, it's a slight to us, but it's also a slight for implementation partners, right? I don't even think it's a slight. It's at worst, it's a, it's a little bit of a deceptive. It's a deceptive marketing message. That's true because I mean it is a big enough system and it is complicated enough that even if uh, even if us developers, if that's the right phrasing, um, were taken out of the equation and it's just purely point and click, there's still a lot to know, a lot to learn, a lot to just kind of expertise and skill you have to to set that up. So yeah. and that's why, like, I mean, I, I, I just think the worst way to hire an, like an admin is, is based on like, oh, how many trailhead badges? What certification do you have? Like, it's I, I th- that because that's the easy part. The right. hard part is finding someone who's actually smart and has like broad experience and knows how to ask good questions. They have a good analytical mindset. Maybe they have a statistical or some kind of, you know, logical or analysis background or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can teach someone how page layouts and security models work. That's not the problem. That's not the hard part. You know, it's doing the right things. Should we be doing this project? What makes sense for the business? Like, who are the stakeholders? Like, what questions should we ask? I mean, those are like, those are if you don't, <laughs> that, asking those questions can can save you so much money. I see people doing the wrong projects because they didn't ask the right questions. They may do them well. They may have all the certifications. They may have a, a CTA on staff who is a great, you know, can do all the, all your SSO and, you know, all your coding and everything. But they're doing the wrong project because people didn't ask the right questions. So you can, you know, low code, the code doesn't matter if you're low code or high code. That's not even the point, but it sells well. Yeah. And I, yeah. I still, I mean, I, every time I start a new project, I get, get in the room with, you know, a couple of the leading IT people and a couple of the leading, you know, people from these various departments that are doing this big new Salesforce. And it's like, none of them asked the right questions. They weren't asked the right questions in the selling, in the sales cycle. They bought the wrong licenses. I mean, like from the get go, like they even have the wrong licenses. Mm. I'm like, and I'm always just like, wish you guys would talk to me a month ago. <laughs> I mean, almost, well, I mean, almost every time. Almost I, I every time. I don't know. I mean, that 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 whole process that? is. Come on, I, I see it, but it's a difficult process. It's not like the one size fits all, and you have everyone has a Jeremy on staff to to come in and say, nope, that's right, that's wrong. I mean, it's maybe we should start training people with these types of skills. Then it, it's it's such a weird world because you have we need some six sigma black belts, John. It, that's what that'll solve all of our problems. <laughs> yeah, but what you're talking about is like this massive sales cycle. So not only is there the Salesforce sales cycle, and then once they once Salesforce kind of gets them to the point where they're closed or you know ready to close, 
Then you get the partner involved and then they have to go through their things of, okay, well, what do you want? What do you want? Customize all those kind of things. And so now we've, we've extended this, this thing. And so what everyone, all, all anyone is trying to do is get them to sign and pay. Oh yeah. Right. And so, Any, so like that whole pre-sale thing is, is compressed. So yes. you, you basically punt, you, you do your best estimates. You do, you get, you ask the best questions that you can to give you some high level idea of what you might be in for. And you give them a number and then you, you put a little asterisk that says, this estimate is, 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 is an estimate and all work will be time and material because we don't really know at that point what we're dealing with. Yeah. Because everything's so compressed. Everyone's just trying to get you to sign, well, sign, and, sign. And the problem is like, you know, because and, and, and I had recently started a new project and the, the client was like, yeah, we want to do Agile and just great and all this stuff. But I mean, the, unfortunately, they'd already signed a contract with Salesforce and Salesforce, you know, locks you into these. You, you have to decide up front. Yeah. Which licenses, which add-ons, and what the, the, what the amount of li- different types of licenses, all this kind of stuff. If you want communities, if you want this product, that product or whatever. And you have to decide all that up front. And it's just like, well, we actually don't know if we're going to need those yet. We're going to... <laughs> yeah, that, that is tough is when you're, you're, you're just trying to figure out what licenses you need and, and they've already... And it, it because, is, because I... <laughs> well, let's be truthful here. Salesforce from top to bottom is not an agile company. I mean, I, I take that back. I think internally, I, I know, in fact, they do a lot of things to try to be agile, but I mean, they do three giant product releases a year instead of, instead of doing something more agile. You know, they three giant uh, releases... Um, well, they have their maintenance releases and things. I mean, it's just it's just true. new Bug major new features and yeah. everything would be yeah. are the that's times a year. considered water pretty waterfall. Um, as a developer of on the Salesforce platform, they do many things that make agile development very difficult because one of the biggest thing parts of an agile development process or one of the one of the techniques used is just merciless refactoring. Mm. And it just is incredible diff- trick. I mean, try to put, try to share a, a new, uh, an updated code base to your coworker that's got a bunch of, you know, renamed classes, deleted classes, new classes, and you know, fields and renamed. I mean, it's it's good luck with that. It's not going to work. Yeah. So, be nice if they if they uh, helped us be a little more agile. Because I try, I try I, really I, hard. I don't know if you're going to change that. I I think um, I do what I can. I think. The sales guys are trying to, you know, negotiate the best deal they can. I'm not, well, because I'm not, that's I'm, Salesforce has to have that. Listen, if you can change your license at any point, if you can be agile with Salesforce and like up your licenses, down your licenses, add new products, take things away, just without having to get on the phone and argue with your Salesforce rep, then Salesforce wouldn't have that ten billion dollar uh, booked. Or what do they call it? Uh, un unbilled deferred revenue, build deferred revenue. Those are all buckets of agreements that people have agreed to buying three years in advance. Yeah. The numbers of licenses and everything, which is absolutely insane. But that's how you, and that's why Salesforce, they're not, they're not some agile cloud company. They don't operate anything like AWS or Google Cloud or any of these things. They operate like, just like Oracle does. In fact, I think Oracle's even moved on. Oracle, well, you give me your credit card and it's billion at the end of the month now based on what you actually used, what you and needed. I, I think that goes back to the to the proving the business model out. I, I mean, I, I seriously don't think it's the software. I think it's just the business model. I wonder if they wouldn't do better if they were to move to some kind of model like that, where you could just, you know, um, a la carte menu your your licenses off and on. I mean, it would certainly lower the, the risk of getting involved with Salesforce. I mean, you don't have to, because think about it now, in order to... That's what's so hard to sell a Salesforce. I mean, that's that's why there's this sales cycle because you have you're having to agree up front for probably two or three years of what you're going to need. 
Right. Well, that takes, I mean, people, yeah, because, people I mean, it's hard to get people to, hard to, get people to sign oh, off. If you buy our community, we'll give you, yeah, yeah. We'll give you 10 bucks exactly. a month off the user right. or something yeah. like that, you know? And it's hard to get people to sign off on a long-term deal like that where you're committing to all this technology that you think you may need. I mean, it's yeah. so, and it works as if it was just like, hey, just give us your credit card or we'll bill you at the end of the month based on what you needed, what you used. I mean, that would make, you know, getting on the platform a um, way, a much shorter putt. I mean, yeah, it's easy at that point. You, know? you don't you have to get anyone's signature. Yeah, start- I mean, aside from the economics that Salesforce would face doing that, I think for those of us that are implementing consulting, I mean, it would be a world of difference. Yeah, it, it'd just be an interesting experiment to see what that world would look like if yeah. Salesforce operated like that. Anyway, yeah, in my dreams. <laughs> well, you can do that with your company when it's worth ten billion. Well, John, exactly. I hell, I'll. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know when my company hits 10,000. <laughs> we'll have a party. Um, all right, well, tell me about the developer keynote. Uh, it was boring. It was boring. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we... we so, I, well, okay. A lot of, a lot of demos, The right? most exciting part of it was the uh, the ugly sweater that Wade was wearing. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, he should keep that for Christmas for the ugly sweater contest. Do you not know the story behind that sweater? No. Oh, his dad, that's his, that was his dad's sweater. No, it isn't. Yes. It, had, it had the bear on it from Trailhead. I thought he said his dad, maybe his dad made it for him or something like that. Oh, okay. There was some something with well, his Well, now dad. I feel bad. I know, you're an ass. Bit, bit. Damn it. <laughs> I feel bad now. <laughs> was uh, it? Yes, it's something about his dad. You can look, I saw it on Twitter. Oh, now I feel horrible. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, but it was a, it was a, it was a great, I don't even know what you caught it because it, it wasn't in the category of like ugly sweater. It wasn't, it was just, it was that like, I don't know. How do you even describe that? It was just that? weird. I, he gets on stage and he's wearing this sweater. It's just the it's style got, of it. It's got it's, the, it's funny. the bear It's on ironic. It. It's an ironic sweater. Maybe, right? <laughs> maybe. Uh, the, the, my foot and mouth, I, I, there's no backpelling out of this one. I thought it was ugly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I liked it. Um, anyway. Maybe I would have liked to find the story, but... Uh, Demos were great. And, um, and, I, I, and speaking of uh, Wade's tweets, I saw he tweeted that this guy, Christian Conrats or whatever his name is, uh-huh. Conrats, um, built the demo. That guy always builds good. He's a he's a great demo builder. But he wasn't doing the demo alone. He had a no. He, Astro. I'm not saying running the demo. I think he you know he's a developer. He oh. he builds a lot of these. Oh, demos. he built the yes. demo. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I I thought the demos were good. I thought the the demo apps themselves were good. I just you know they were covering a lot of stuff that we've we've seen and that we got in 18 and that you know it just didn't feel like. You know, we're getting something new. Exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, no, you guys built a good app. That's a great app. Yeah. I love the app. But it's just, and there were some new lightning things, like what was new? Um, it wasn't even new. The li- the dynamic there pages some, no, and there things. Was some, right. That's, I mean, re- that, that's recently new, yeah, but it's not brand new. Um, there was, um, I thought there was something else. What about some of those new controls? Man, they had that pop-up horrible multi-select thing. It looks almost as bad as what it did in Classic too. Oh, yeah. Their multi-select, where it's got the thing over here and the thing over here, and you like, Anyway, was I don't know. I feel like they said there was a couple of things new. I don't know. Um, and maybe, maybe maybe I was expecting too much. Maybe I was just I was ex- hoping to be blown away or to get some surprise DX announcement or something. But it was it was very much just kind of a you know here's what we have. And to be fair, I mean we're plugged into this ecosystem heavily. I mean we're constantly consuming news and everything. I and mean, not everyone is as plugged in as we are and knows everything. So this might have been very new to a lot of people and. Because they're busy with their actual day to day work, they're they're not consuming this information. So yeah, I mean they had a good um, demo on like I think on platform events. That was also part of that. Just that whole growing crops that 
company that's like yeah. know, composting something or into turning compost into soap or something. I don't know. Yeah, and there's some IoT elements in there with it being able to kind of actually affect things, you know, trigger off events that actually affected real world objects and things like that. Which that was that was the that was cool. thing that irritates me about these these demos. And that it's the same thing I noticed with their um, when they demoed that that real estate app that kind of mm-hmm. actually also this guy said, I think his name's Christian. I could be wrong. Um, I think he built that too. But they they show you all the process build and the flow stuff and all the draggy droppy stuff. But you know that they they kind of gloss over the fact that they have to like because they'll just kind of they'll just specify, they'll just like pick the name, but of like apex classes that, that actually do the th- stuff, get the mm-hmm. stuff done. It's like how are you, you can gloss it over that. I mean, they they're trying to make it. I mean, it's like really code is this evil thing. Like, oh my god, don't show the, don't show any code. No, my that's god. IP, Jeremy. I know. Well, no, it's not even that. It's just like they don't want to show code because they want you to think. They want people there that are thinking of buying Salesforce to think, holy crap, you can do all that. Just the dragon and then dropping the stuff around. My, my secretary could do I could train her to do this. And like, I think that's what I find boring about the developer keynote because it's a developer keynote. So I expect... It's not a developer I, I, keynote. Well, it, here's my expectations. And I know it's wrong, but every time I come into it with the same expectations is that, you know, we'll see this demo and then we'll get to see some, some nitty gritty behind the scenes of what it's doing. Instead, we get shown, you know, how to drag and drop the component onto the page and watch it you know, refresh when you change a field. Yeah. I mean that... No, you'd expect like, you know, Wade to get up there, open up a terminal and start... Maybe not know, even a terminal. Open, some up, stuff in or, open up some IDE yeah, and show exactly. us code or yeah. hell, even the developer console, dev console, I'll, I'll take that. Um, they also, they did this thing with, Einstein, I guess it was Einstein prediction to determine, to predict crop yields, right? And so it's based on, because they've got these sensors that are detecting... Um, moisture levels and, and maybe may even have like sun levels or weather who knows um, well I did enjoy the I, discussion around Einstein and showing more tooling other than just image categorization I mean well, that, that was positive my, my point on that though was that I'm thinking about and I'm, I'm like okay that they're, they're calling that Einstein prediction but I really don't that's not machine learning it's not and it's certainly not AI that's just mo- I, I, this, I was trained to do this stuff when I went to Six Sigma Black Belt School um, it's multivariate factor analysis. I did this mm-hmm. that exact thing with you looking at multiple factors and you're figuring out which ones are significant and you're using it to predict outputs. It is not. And, and the yeah, other, but you got to look at the it other from thing. A, it's, they, it's, they don't have enough data for it to be machine learning. There's not enough data. They don't have enough fields. But to the average consumer, that doesn't matter. Well, maybe all I, they I mean, see no, is okay. Here's what I will admit to you. Maybe it doesn't matter. I mean, they're they're using. I mean, the the words Einstein and Einstein prediction to to and, brand and for, for statistical analyses, which yeah. is okay, whatever. I mean, it's still. I'm not saying it's not valuable. It's just as valuable, but it's it's not it's not intelligence. I mean, it's I th- not I, intelligence. It's I, not, I, and it's not machine learning. I, I think all they're doing is masking the complexity. I mean, it, it's it's something that does exist, but it is something specialized and complex, and now, they're now, masking it and making it seem very approachable. Now, the vision, the vision, like computer vision, that's that's machine learning, for sure. Um, that's also probably one of the most commoditized. I mean, you can go right now and with a you know pick one of a half a dozen different uh, computer vision frameworks and plop it onto AWS and have something running in an hour that does that. Mm. So, but uh, but yeah, they had the they did an Einstein vision thing that they 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 had a guy holding like a plant, uh-huh. but he had like this big huge blue wig on, a and so Einstein beard, was able, right? huh, and a beard, I think. I think so. But anyway, Einstein was able to say, "Oh, that's not a healthy plant." Well, no kidding. It's got. It looks like it's got a giant blue wig on it. <laughs> it's like, okay, wow. Then there was the bot demo, which, you know, the bot thing. If if that works well, those are. I mean, that's pretty cool stuff. And in fact, I mean, it, it's actually 
I mean, a lot of draggy droppy to configure that, and it actually looks pretty cool. I mean, well, it does. Super my, my, powerful. My only worry, okay, go I was ahead. gonna say the thing that I'm skeptical about is that these things work well because there's nothing worse. I mean, and because for how long now? Ten years now, companies have had when you call in because you need help mm-hmm. from your bank or whatever. They think they've got this system that's great. It listens. It the computer tries to understand what you're saying, and that's the most frustrating thing in the world. And I want to fire them and throw my phone at the ground. You know, yeah. it's like it's so annoying. It's not a good experience. Hopefully, this is better than those. I'm yeah, sure they're good. That was going to be my point. I'm sure well they will. That. If they're not good now, I mean, it's going to be one of those things that always gets better, but I, I hope it's good. I don't know. I, th- I think it's the same. It's going to be the same problem just for a new generation, whereas we would call to access everyone. And now you know, the young generation is texting everywhere to get information. Um, I don't know. Maybe the technology is better and it won't be as frustrating. I, I don't, I'm not going to bet on it. Yeah. I think, I think it will get implemented. I think people will see some benefit from it on the short term. But I think long term, people are going to be like, I want to talk to someone. I'm frustrated. This thing is not giving me the options I need. Yeah. How do I get to a person? I mean, you, you know, people all the time that what they just span the zero until they or the yeah, I think the zero, the, the, there's some kind of yeah. escape or you say operator. number. Yeah. yeah. And you know, as soon as they call and they hear that automated thing, they just they bypass That's it. That's what I do. I mean, unless you just want to check your balance or something. Like, you really need a human. And almost always I need a human because like the problem. Yeah, but you got I, your phone for that now. But in what way? You just get online and check your balance. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So what? Exactly. So they're good. They're basically good for nothing. <laughs> of course, we had a we had a video that featured Cheryl Feldman again because you guys apparently have to have that's a requirement uh, nowadays. Cheryl Feldman. She's the one that was on the login screen forever. Oh, the, the, the I built my career on Salesforce. Yeah. 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 That, that that seems like a recycled ad, though, isn't it? Doesn't that, that seems like an ad they've, <sighs> they've ran been recycling before. her for I don't but know. But it how looked long like it now. had updated graphics, so they just take the same same things and just recycle it. I don't I, know. Probably so. Yeah, take some some of the assets from the previous video yeah. project well, and create anyone. Good way to save some money. It is. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I have a if I can if I can jump to this my stuff. Well, before we, do, I, I want to ask you on the developer keynote. Did you or any, about just developer stuff in general? Did you see anything new on the metadata API? That might fix no. the metadata API. Okay, I didn't either. Did no. you see anything new on DX? No. I mean, I don't know if this was new or not, but there's you can. Well, I mean, they talked about the stuff that's new. Yeah, like instead of having to specify the shape of a of a scratch org, if you yeah. want it to be production, you can just say you can just give it an org ID right. basically and say copy that shape. That's that's nice. Yeah, and so I think that's where some of the wind was taken out of me because not only do we consume a lot of information, we also get a lot of information from our Slack channel, and so. It, we're we're constantly fed information, so a lot of this stuff just was like, oh, I heard that before. Yeah, it's not new. Yeah, <laughs> but to a lot of people, it probably was new. Maybe so. I'm I'm just you know I'm looking for the things I'm always looking for are ways to do actual builds that are that are reliable and consistent with Salesforce. It's an impossible right now. You basically you you can't have any real continuous deployment or automated deployments in Salesforce. If you happen to get get something to go through, count yourself lucky. You you know. And their strategies don't change very much at a time and deploy very often. Mm-hmm. And that can save you. I can keep you out of trouble 95% of the time, but it's still, it's, you're still getting lucky. That's just the fact. Um, and then, of course, also Apex features. Or, or yeah. a new, just let's, let's replace Apex with something. One of yeah, the but two. I, I, don't, I, I don't think we're going to get that. I think... And then, I, I don't know. They, 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 we're going to get they, a switch statement. That's actually, that's new. That was new. That's, yeah, yeah, we're going to switch new. statement. Some at some point, in, I'm actually doing something right now where your switch it's gonna, statement no, would be really nice. It's going to be in pilot for six months, a switch statement, <laughs> and then you'll be able to get it in a beta for you know in six months after that, and then it'll go GA sometime in 2019. A switch statement. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to have a whole show on switch statements and how to use them. 
I guess. I wonder if I wonder if you'll be able to switch on string because that was something that I think Java added new a few versions back because it was always you had to switch on an integer. I think. Really? Yep. I think for as long as I can remember, at least in the Microsoft world, I, I could switch on a string. Yeah, I think I think C sharps had it forever, almost. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I've never known to have to do that. I think that's an old C thing. I think C was. Um, yeah, maybe C is always you switch on integers only. I mean, it's it's for optim, it's for performance. You can if you know maybe. you're going to switch on integers. I mean, you can you can inline more things and just the the, the jumps are faster, more efficient. And that's good experience to have. I mean, I do find myself doing things like coding things out in integers versus strings, just because I know that they they're much fa- performant. But I don't because computers are really really fast nowadays. <laughs> I know, but you know, when you come from a world where you had you actually were, had to worry about that, and you do kind of have to worry about that with Apex. I mean, things don't run as fast as they they should. I mean, you should be able to loop through a, a damn string and not have it time out on you. Yeah, I mean, other than doing th- things that I know are dumb, I try not to. Even with Apex, I try not to. Um, you know, pre-optimize. Like I said, there's things that are just obviously dumb. Don't do those. But other than that, I I write code that I think that is the most efficient that I, my clients are getting the most for their money at the time. I can get I can get things done faster. Get things delivered sooner. Old habits die hard. I still, they do. No. I still organize my variables by you know, I group them um, because you know they're in. I think it was VB or older technology you had to group them because the memory would get split out. Mm. If you had like your string and then you had an integer and then you had another string, like the the memory addresses would get split uh, you, yeah, and okay. you'd have to jump. Yeah. And so you group them so that it wouldn't have to, it would kind of allocate the memory like space. A stack alignment thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's funny. Well, it's like, you know, have you ever known, you know, people that are pretty wealthy that grew up poor? They still like are always looking for sales and saving money. It's like, mm. you're a multimillionaire. What are you doing? <laughs> like waiting for ribeyes to go on sale or whatever. <laughs> so what are you saying? These days in, in the world of cloud computing, we're rich. <laughs> Just people, I don't know. Everyone, everyone, everyone's still looking to optimize. It's how you grew up. It's like you said, you know, that's, it's just you can't you can't get it out of your it's in your DNA now. You've been your DNA is mutated to worry about efficiency even when it's illogical. You yeah. need to be more Spock like, John. Yeah. <laughs> all right, what was, the other, what was the other topic you wanted to get to? I had a bunch of them, but you ate it all the time. No, there's one you just mentioned before as we were wrapping up the developer keynote. Oh yeah, the my stuff. I have right. a theory. I have a theory that that might justify why they change things so much. Because they needed something that seemed new. Yeah, but I, I think there's a practical reason for it, and that's um, uh, search engine optimization. Okay. I mean, think about it. I mean, if you announce something oh, and it's that's smart. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because yeah. you Google Einstein. And I was, yeah, you Google Einstein. Right. You get a bunch of old uh, Fitbit. Yeah. Sorry, Fitbit. Yeah. Get a bunch of old Fitbit. <laughs> but if you change the name, even if it has no. Meaning at all. It's just a name change. When someone looks up my Einstein, my trailhead, my lightning, now they're getting all new fresh content. Yeah. Oh, that's true. They've, so. they've just segregated um, the Google from the old stuff to the new stuff. Yeah. And since they're not concerned with establishing this brand with Einstein and establishing this brand with cloud, they're willing to sacrifice that for SEO, then I, I'm starting to see some wisdom in it, to be honest. No, I'm sure there were reasons. I think those reasons in a lot of cases aren't readily apparent to their customers, which is weird, but there's reasons. Well, I mean, I've always known it's it's a marketing push, but I, I you know, it, it just was odd that they were always switching things. And then it occurred to me that when I was kind of researching some things and I was typing in my lightning, I was like, you know what? I bet they do this for SEO reasons. Yeah. Maybe so. And that's valuable. It is. 
again, when you when you Google Einstein, you get a lot of stuff other than Salesforce. Right. But I get better if you Google my Einstein, it's 100% Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Good point, John. You're pretty pretty fart smeller. <laughs> Did you say smart smeller or fart smeller? <laughs> I said what I wanted to say. Oh, so I have one more thing, um, but you have to play my clips. Okay. And I, I need some help from the, from, from the uh, Good Day Sir Army. Even though this is not live? This is not a live show? No, but you can go to Slack and you oh, can tell okay. me what this was. Okay. All right, so uh, do you have the audio up? Yep. Uh, let me see which clip I need. All right, so this is from the first Trailhead keynote thing. And there's, uh, go ahead and play the, the first Trailhead keynote wave. Welcome, because today we are here for the first ever Trailhead keynote. Okay, do you hear that? Do you hear that? You know what it sounds like? It, sounds like, it sounds like we're at a high school. Now, this is maybe a Southern thing. It could be a Texas thing, because I know it's really bad here. It sounds like we're at homecoming. With the girls in the, no, it's the girls in there stoop those giant, what were they? The giant the moms. moms the moms. Yeah. And, they, and had, they had the bells. Oh, yeah. You had to have, you know, $150 of accessories hanging over this thing. They're full of cowbells and jingle bells and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to hear, but if you play the other one, uh, I think I called it, what is this sound? <laughs> this is, uh, we, we, I love this hard hitting uh, topic. <laughs> I want to know what this is. <laughs> this, is a, this is a serious podcast. Okay. And and every time they would say something where applause was was made, that was happening. Yeah. yeah. Did they did they pass? Sorry, I didn't mean for that. But did they pass out um, noisemakers? I don't know. That's what. That's why I was like asking for people who were there. Is what is that and why? Was it like just like was it like MVPs that got all these shaker thingies? Or maybe the monks brought. Were they handing maybe them the out monks as they walked in? I mean, it's it like it was like a pep rally to me. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'm really curious about what that sound is. So well, if it, you know, cow, those are cowbells. They're they're small. They're little cowbells. Was it on a stick? Did it have confetti? Was it, a, you know, it's got to be trail themed. Maybe they passed out drumsticks with them too. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So my last clip, I think you'll enjoy. Okay. I, this actually, I don't know how we missed this. This was from 2015. Uh, who, who did this one? I'm going to guess. Um, uh, was it Alex uh, Segman or? Seligman. Seligman, I think. Okay. Get some badges. I want to see those badges rolling in. I want to see the. That's not Adam. Oh, badges you get. I want to see you get badgy. I want to see you get badgier. And I want to see us hit the badgiest day ever today. Who is that? That voice is familiar. It is. But that's not Adam. Are you looking at it's It's Adam. Oh, this is Adam. Hi, everybody. Yeah, that's oh, that Adam. That is Adam, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I don't know how we missed that, but that needs to be on our board. <laughs> badgier. Yeah. I'd have to cut, slice that up and... Pull some gems out of it. Uh, so, so what do you think? Do you think we covered everything we can cover, or the, everything we can stomach to cover from Dreamforce? That's do you the think thing. There's, there's like, is everyone, is everyone burned out on this, or do we want to keep going through content? I mean, if I don't know, I think if there's if we come across content that's actually interesting and we might be able to intelligently talk about, yeah, which is probably the biggest bar we'd have to overcome. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I don't know. I've, I'm always surprised. Not, I guess I'm not surprised anymore, but it's it's interesting to me how I know there's like uh, just this motherload of content that gets 
just you know on display at Dreamforce. Yeah. And that, but after Dreamforce, especially the ones I don't go to, I'm just like I don't even I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's much to talk about here. Yeah, I, I think and we always end up talking about gender gaps and I, stuff. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, that's what Dreamforce does to you. They 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 put all this political stuff in your face, and you can't help but react or at least talk about it. Um. So despite my aversion to getting into it, we end up getting yeah, into I it. I know, I know. Yeah. Anyways, um, the only thing I've been able to consume lately are the keynote videos. So if anyone knows of any really quality, good developer sessions that, that you think might be valuable for us to watch and, you know, has some good nuggets of information, I'd love to hear about those. Uh, well, which one did they announce the compiler in? Because I didn't see that at all. Yeah. But I saw screenshot. I saw photos of the um, some of the slides. So I don't know what, I don't know which session that was. Yeah. So it's so, oh, yeah. definitely open call for any kind of help you guys have on, you know, links or anything to sessions or some, something that was recorded that we can kind of look at. Because right now, the only thing I've been able to really kind of put my thumb on are the keynote videos. Yeah. And what's a good way for them to get that information to us? Mr. Well, that's a, good, that's a good question, John, because apparently they've forgotten how to get information to us. And the way you get information <laughs> to us is send us an email at info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Uh, send us information like that. Questions. We don't, you know, we didn't, we didn't have any questions. I guess everyone's been busy at Dreamforce, but the questions are good. I think they make good topics. Or you can, you know, complain about us or whatever. Uh, what else? What else should people do, John? Uh, you can join our Slack community. Yep. So okay. that's a gooddaysirpodcast.com. Click on the community link. Did you, do you still have the happy hour link up there? I do. I have to take that down, <laughs> don't I? <laughs> So don't, don't click on, don't sign up for the happy hour because you missed it. <laughs> oh, thank you for everyone who showed up. It, we had pretty good, really good yeah. attendance. Apparently Monk got really busy and I Monk's think they cuddle. started turning people away. Like they yeah. got to capacity. Yeah. That happens. It is Dreamforce. <laughs> That's so. why I was just like, I was, when they were planning that, I'm just like, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you find a place that can hold 20 people or how many ever are going to show up. There's there a lot registered. I'm not sure. I don't remember what the number was that showed up, but um, it was it was good. Yeah. It was a good crowd. Yeah, it's cool. It uh, looks like our swag arrived on time. It did. Uh, I think the feedback is people like our black shirts better than our blue shirts. Yeah, I think I do too. And I like I, I, I do too. So yeah. I think we'll focus more on the black shirts than the than the blue ones. Or just yeah, I don't know what other options we have. I mean, obviously you don't you don't want to do a red shirt or anything. It's kind of red because it did clash with the logo color. Yeah, I really don't want to. I just really like the color. fabric of the black one, and the fit is better than the blue. Well, okay, but even within those two constraints, you've still got tons of colors that are available to you anyway yeah um reviews you know please review us on itunes or wherever you can review things and give us five stars and all that stuff it helps helps people find us so that we can continue to grow our massive amount of wealth (laughs) (laughs) that's all i got john i think well and to that i say good day sir you get nothing you lose good day sir